Hi, you're listening to The Dive, brought to you by Living Word Press, starting right now. Hi, welcome back to The Dive Q&A. I'm back with Dr. Josh Waltman, Dr. Gary Yates. I'm your host, Brett Yates. We're going to continue our discussion on the virgin birth. I hope you've been with us through this whole journey and uh, finally ready for Christmas. Maybe it's here, maybe it's already passed. Uh, last week we were talking about uh, was Isaiah prophesizing virgin birth. What other prophecies are out there that Matthew's using from the Old Testament to talk about Jesus? Yeah, I think this is one of those questions, right? When we, we talk about Matthew, and I think maybe some of the listeners maybe got a little bit of insight into some of this that they hadn't had before concerning typology and things like that, and how Matthew is maybe picking up on some of those, use the word typological, but those those types that we see spelled out for us in the Old Testament. What are the other you know types that maybe Matthew's picking up on, given that you know our interpretation of Isaiah is? Is there anything else like that that's going on here in Matthew? Right. Yeah, Matthew is a very uh, Jewish gospel. He's he's writing to convince his readers that Jesus is the promised Messiah. So showing connection to Old Testament prophecies is is pretty important to his overall strategy. Just a quick thing about Isaiah 7, I, I think last week or, or last session when we were talking about this, the idea that, uh, you know, that this may, Isaiah 7 may be talking about a child in Isaiah's day may have been a little unsettling to people. And it's like, uh, are you questioning the <laughs> biblical teaching on the, uh, the virgin birth and that sort of thing? Actually, the idea that Isaiah, you know, may not just be predicting about the the virgin birth of Christ, I think actually adds weight to the credibility of, of the virgin birth of Jesus, because that really wasn't something that the Jews themselves were expecting. And it wasn't like the Christians are like, well, you know, we got to create a virgin birth story here or else, uh, you know, there's a there's a missing Old Testament prophecy. There's no precedent or something like that. Right. Uh, they, they didn't have to do that. And when you think about uh, trying to come up with an explanation about the parentage of Jesus and those kinds of things, to go to virgin birth as your uh, <laughs> it, it's the ultimate dog eat your homework kind of kind of excuse. Why would that be plausible or believable to anyone? And and it really, in many ways, would have been disturbing to Jewish people that would have seen this as like God impregnating a woman, and these there's almost kind of like some pagan. Things going on there. So just wanted to bring that in. I, I think it, Isaiah gives us an example of how typology is being used by Matthew, uh, but but we see this in some other prediction passages in this uh, or prophecy passages as well. Well, I definitely think it speaks to the fact that we need to read the Old Testament, you know, sort of, uh, should I say chronologically, that we need to read the Old Testament on its own terms first right. before we then take the New Testament and impose it back on the Old Testament? I, I think that's the, that's the hermeneutic that I try to teach students all the time. Let's let's understand the Old Testament. You almost have to do two readings. Right. You have to do the historical original context reading. Then you have to do the canonical reading. Right. And I know there's a, a recent book dealing with five views on Christ in the Old Testament. And that's basically the approach that Trimper Longman uh, lays out, which I think to me is the stronger of those or, or the strongest of those. Uh, so one of the one of the passages, and actually one of these fulfillments uh, does seem to be a straightforward prediction. You know, the king of the Jews is born in Bethlehem, and this is to fulfill uh, Micah chapter five verse two. So this is in Matthew two five and six. You Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means, uh, for from you shall come a ruler. And Matthew directly quotes Micah. So this this seems to be like this is a pretty clear prediction. But one of the things that I think is interesting is that. 
This is the only one of these passages where Matthew does not use the word fulfillment. Like this is where we would think that like, yeah, if it's a prediction and and knock down, drag out fulfillment, this is clear, but he doesn't use that word fulfill. So there's, uh, this seems to be somewhat different, but the next one of these, and and again, this, this raises uh, all sorts of hermeneutic questions. Like is uh, what's Matthew doing with his hermeneutics and is Matthew using the, the wrong text for the right doctrine? But when Joseph and Mary are forced to take uh, Jesus to Egypt because of the threats of Herod, uh, Matthew says in Matthew 2.15 that they remained in Egypt to the death of Herod, and this is to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and we're talking about the prophet Hosea, Hosea 11.1, out of Egypt I called my son. Mm. But the problem is, you go back to Hosea 11.1, this has nothing to do with Messiah, right? What's what's it? Uh, what's in the original? It's talking about the like the original Exodus, right? Right. And so, out of Egypt, I called my son is a reference to uh, to Israel. Mm. So how does how does Matthew see uh, <laughs> Jesus having to go down there as a fulfillment of that passage? And again, I think this is an example of typology, mm. the uh, the experiences of Israel as God's son. Uh, anticipated and foreshadowed the experiences of Jesus as the ultimate Son of God. So what we really have going on with this typology is that there's a new beginning uh, for the people of Israel that will reverse all of the failures of the past. And the the Old Testament talks a lot about the new exodus and the the ultimate restoration. I think what this passage is saying is that that's beginning now in Jesus— um, and if you read the larger context of, uh, of Hosea 11, there is a reference down in verse 10 to the restoration of Israel. Again, he's not just yanking this out of its context. Like, oh, I got a proof text here. Mm-hmm. I think he's, he's doing some pretty, pretty uh, complex biblical theology uh, on what the prophet's saying. So how, how commonplace do you think this way of thinking and writing and reflecting on the Old Testament would have been? Are, is Matthew doing something new or is this... Uh, prevalent in Jewish thinking and scholarship at the time. It's um, it it really starts in the Old Testament itself. Okay. So here we we just mentioned New Exodus. Mm-hmm. The prophets continually talk about the return from exile as a New Exodus. Uh, even when Joshua leads the children of Israel into the Promised Land, they divide the Jordan and go. It's like a it's a second Exodus. So it's it's part of the theology of uh, uh, of of the Old Testament itself. And, and there's, there's the theological conviction that the God who acted in the past acts in the same ways uh, in the future. It's, it's not just a, a, an illegitimate form of reading. They see like what God did in the past. He will consistently do this in the future. And uh, God delivers his people out of bondage. And that's where they are in Jesus' day as well. So these interpretations of some of these prophetic events that we're talking about here, like this would have been a consistent, consistent reading if you were a Jew reading Matthew for the first time. They would have probably understood it in this way as well. Yeah, they uh, the same kind of eschatological expectation, like the the time for us to be delivered from our exile uh, is actually in Qumran, you know, and they have that es- eschatological expectation as well. The difference is is that it's the the church is connecting this to Jesus. Uh, but but this idea of you know, you know the the typology of what God did in the past and and the deliverance of of uh, uh, Israel and and waiting for that and anticipating that that would not have been new to the New Testament itself. Hmm. 
And honestly, I would say, I think if you go through and study the use of the Old Testament in the New, like throughout the all of Scripture, I would say that typology by far mm. is the primary way that the New Testament writers read the Old Testament. It's just a, it's a Jewish way of doing exegesis. Isn't it amazing how complex the New Testament is, given the fact that you know, these weren't necessarily trained scholars that were putting all this together? It's amazing what the Spirit is ensuring uh, is coming through here. Yeah. And there's there's even one more of these, and if we can't okay, we just yeah. mention that yeah, one yeah. real quickly. That we have the episode where Herod kills the uh, the innocents and uh, you know, just a horrific event. But um, after after he recounts what happens there, Matthew says this um, was a this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. And he goes back to Jeremiah thirty one, I believe it's in verse fifteen. And it says, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted. But, you know, we, the same thing happens here. We go back to the Old Testament context and, and we, sh- we, we shake our head a little bit because Jeremiah is talking about the, the weeping and grief that happened when the Babylonians uh, took uh, Judah away into exile. Mm-hmm. So how, how does Matthew, what's going on here? Well, again, there's a typological patterning. And um, associated with return from exile, new exodus, all the things that we just talked about, um, this this grief process is coming to an end. Uh, but but in a sense, it's being repeated as well. And 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 ultimately, Jesus will bring the deliverance. But what happened with Herod killing these children reflects that those conditions of exile continue. Uh, they're still grieving and they're still mourning and weeping. But there's the beginning of this emerging hope. Jesus will be the one that ultimately delivers us from that. Wow. And that's, that's kind of setting the context for the story of Jesus. It's incredible. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing, Dad. I think that's so helpful to look at Matthew and the Christmas story we read all the time. But, you know, this is, this is great insight, so I appreciate it. Josh, anything else? Got nothing. Okay. <laughs> Guys, thank you for diving in. I think this is finally the last one on the virgin birth, right? So if you've been with us this whole time, congratulations. You've made it. We'll send you a degree, I think. But if not, we'll see you back next time. Thank you for diving in with us. <laughs>